It's Thursday, November 18th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Millions of Americans are expected to travel for Thanksgiving, and if you are heading out, you should expect delays. One of the biggest mysteries is how many TSA agents will be in compliance with vaccine mandates for federal workers set for November 22nd. The government doesn't think there will be any delays, but long wait times are inevitable as TSA employees are leaving for other reasons too. Suzanne Rowan Kelleher, staff writer at Forbes, joins us for how holiday travel could be a mess. Next, President Biden has been on the wrong side of the polls recently amid missteps and verbal flubs. According to a Politico Morning Consult poll, just 44% of voters approve of his job performance, and worse yet, 48% say he is not mentally fit. Mark Caputo, national political reporter at Politico, joins us for more bad poll numbers for Biden. Finally, everyone has done it at some point, but it might be wise to stop sucking in your stomach all the time. It could be bad for your health. We're not talking about the occasional time when taking a picture or trying to fit into an outfit, but prolonged stomach gripping can affect your pelvic floor muscles, make it harder to take deep breaths, or cause soreness and stiffness in your lower back. Allison Chu, wellness reporter at The Washington Post, joins us for more. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. Well, we will go through a progressive discipline process with our employees who uh, have not been vaccinated, but we have a lot of employees who've asked for either medical or religious exemptions as well. And so we'll go through uh, the process of looking at each one of those individual cases and making a determination over the next several weeks. Uh, so that, yes, there is the potential if you uh, do not have an approved exemption and you are not vaccinated, that you will lose your job because it's very important that we have yeah. our workforce fully vaccinated. Joining us now is Suzanne Rowan Kelleher. Staff writer at Forbes covering travel trends. Thanks for joining us, Suzanne. Thanks for having me. Let's talk about Thanksgiving travel. It's going to be very, very busy. It's going to be one of the busiest uh, uh, moments we've had so far coming back from the pandemic and all of that. And uh, there's just a lot of questions up in the air. We've already seen a bunch of delays happening with various airlines and whatnot. The next big question people have is, will the TSA be ready? We have a very uh, a looming vaccine deadline coming for the TSA workers. They need to be fully vaccinated by Monday, November 22nd. And the TSA hasn't really given us a lot of details on what the compliance numbers have been. So that's one of the huge questions swirling around. Will they be ready? Uh, so, Suzanne, tell us a little bit more about it. Well, you've got that right. Thanksgiving weekend is always a huge travel weekend. It's usually one of the top weekends of the whole year. This year is going to definitely be just right up there. So what happened was that in mid-October, the TSA administrator, David Pekoski, told CNN that there was about 60% of the TSA workforce that had been vaccinated. And he expected that number to go quite a bit higher in the next few weeks. So since I covered that story, I would check in with the TSA every week and say, how are the numbers? Do you have new numbers? And I kept getting, you know, just sort of, we don't have anything new. We don't know anything new. And that happened right up to this week. And then something else happened, which was yesterday, there was a panel, a hearing at the House Homeland Security Committee. It was the subcommittee for transportation and maritime security. And one of the people testifying was Everett Kelly, who is the president of the union representing federal workers. So he represents 700,000 federal workers, including TSA employees. And he was asked, 
does he know how many, you know, how many people have been vaccinated at the TSA? And he said he didn't know. Everybody seemed to be going with the 60% number, which was the latest. Now, I suspect that that number has gone quite a bit higher in the last five weeks, but we just don't know where that lands. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the bottom line they said was, you know, the long wait lines are just going to be there, which is not what anybody wants to hear. You know, they're saying that when it comes to the vaccine mandate, that they're not going to really see any disruptions there. They think they'll be fine. But it's not just that. They're saying that they're seeing a lot of turnover. People are just quitting because, uh, you know, low wages, uh, working conditions, basically what we've been seeing in various other sectors right now throughout the country. So either way, they're kind of saying might not see many disruptions here, but looking maybe towards December and the rest of the holiday season, there could be something happening. I think there's going to be long lines of Thanksgiving. There's long lines even under the best of circumstances. People need to get to the airport early. I mean, that's just kind of a given. You might luck out if you're going in a morning flight. That Those flights tend to kind of take off more on time. If you're flying out of a smaller regional airport, you probably have better luck. Um, but people are just going to have to kind of bring their patients with them and assume that they're going to come upon these long lines. And you're right, part of the problem is the union president, Everett Kelly, actually pushed back a bit to some of the members of Congress who were saying, well, you know, this vaccine mandate is making this problem. And he was saying, look, there's going to be lines because of staffing. You know, we have staffing shortages. So it's a combination. It's sort of a perfect storm that's happening. And you're right, all across the country and all different industries, the airline industries, you mentioned the delays because of weather over the last few months, but that was also because of shortages. So what's happened is that people have, in all different industries, have left their jobs. Often they took, you know, retirement packages or, you know, exit packages, and there hasn't been the staffing to kind of catch up. So we're, I just think that people need to kind of go in there with a reality check that it's going expected to be, expect there to be a wait, right. get to the airport a lot earlier than you were planning on it, and then enjoy your holiday. And a, a little bit more back to the vaccine mandate, because a lot of uh, people have sought religious and medical exemptions for all of that. There also there is also this push by some of the unions to maybe push back the deadline to January 4th. That's the other deadline that they have for uh, federal contractors and whatnot. They're saying maybe just push it back till after the holidays and, uh, you know, maybe things could be a little bit better. You know, that might be something that was something that Everett Kelly said in the uh, in the panel yesterday. He said that the union wants to push it back to January 4th so that both federal workers and federal contractors who work often side by side have the same deadline. This vaccine mandate, though, was announced in July. People have known about it since July. I'm expecting, actually, that the number of employees at the TSA that have been vaccinated is quite a bit higher, maybe in the 80s now. But look, like the vaccine mandates have worked at the airlines. There are definitely people who look for the exemptions, but that's the minority. Suzanne Roland Kelleher, staff writer at Forbes covering travel trends. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. I know you all know, but a lot of people may not know what COVID is. By harassing the full potential of uh, those who are harassing, we're going to have to change change things. I'm sorry I'm going to get in trouble with staff. I don't do this the right way. Joining us now is Mark Caputo. 
national political reporter at Politico. Thanks for joining us, Mark. Well, thanks for having me. Let's talk about uh, the new Politico morning consult poll that came out. President Biden and his administration have been going through uh, some tough issues very recently, and he has been on the wrong side of a lot of polls lately. His approval mm-hmm. rating is dipping. But among other things that you guys were asking in the, in the most recent poll, people are starting to say uh, or question his uh, health and his mental fitness as well. So, Mark, tell us a little bit about this. As you said, if you look at Joe Biden's record, his poll numbers really started to kind of collapse after uh, the Afghanistan withdrawal. And uh, then there was the COVID surge and troubles of the economy and concerns about inflation. But, you know, throughout, he's never quite recovered. But one of the things that's kind of seldom discussed and has been little polled is Americans' perception of kind of Joe Biden and his health. The reality is, is like Joe Biden is the oldest president to be sworn into the White House, he's going to turn 79 on Saturday. So we asked a battery of questions concerning his health and mental fitness, the questions we'd asked of President Trump in the 2020 elections and also of Joe Biden. What we found is since October of 2020 to now, the percentage of American voters, U.S. voters, who have concerns about President Joe Biden's health have really kind of skyrocketed 50%. Uh, now say that they're concerned or they, they don't think his physical health is good. Forty percent say it's, it is good. You know, that's a negative 10-point margin for him. Yeah. Uh, it was positive for Joe Biden by 19 points in October of 2020. So that's a 29-point shift. It's pretty big. And it kind of reflects what you hear a lot of people talking about. And even Saturday Night Live, they had a skit a few weeks ago where they had old Joe Biden, that new Joe Biden, and the old Joe Biden jokes that the new Joe Biden wasn't quite, quote, lucid. And there are a lot of people who are talking about it. And we decided to poll it and see what people thought. We haven't heard anything from the president's doctors, obviously, but you see him out there on the, uh, you know, selling the Build Back Better plan and all that stuff and making his public appearances. You hear some uh, flubs when he's speaking, kind of drifting off a little bit. <laughs> I know some people have even said when he starts whispering is kind of funny. Um, uh, so you, you just see him out there and he doesn't look like he necessarily has a lack of energy. It's just a, a lot of flubs, verbal flubs that are being observed by people. Also understand, in October of 2020, when voters were asked the question about mental fitness and physical fitness, Joe Biden actually did better by those metrics than Donald Trump did. Joe Biden wound up winning the election, obviously. Now, we haven't compared the two, but Joe Biden is now president. And one of the things that you can say is that after the Afghanistan withdrawal, that's when a lot of news media attention, cameras, eyeballs, hearts and minds were tuned to what the president was saying. And a lot of people got more of a good look at Joe Biden, and there's, a, there's polling now that suggests they don't necessarily like what they're seeing. They don't necessarily like exactly what they're hearing. Now, there could be other reasons that people are having these negative impressions of him, but on a variety of metrics, is he a strong leader? By about a nine-point margin, people say no. And there are these various problems that he's, he's starting to develop. Uh, now, the degree to which people are just having a negative feeling about Joe Biden and expressing that negative feeling whenever they're asked a question, well, we don't quite know. What we do know is that people are souring on him kind of across the board. Republicans probably say, yes, he's, uh, you know, his health's not doing so good, mentally unfit, all that. And Democrats are probably the opposite. Independents, how do they feel? How, how does this break down along party lines? 
That's the problem that, that Biden has. Is independence by about a 17-point margin. Don't think his physical fitness is good. And, you know, so basically, like, if you were to break things down simply, the Republicans are going to say bad things about Joe Biden. The Democrats are going to say good things. Uh, to the degree independents are swing voters, they're breaking against him by pretty big numbers. Did we see anything else in the poll that uh, stood out to you, uh, aside from these uh, things we're covering now? It's not quite in this poll, but when you start to look at the public polling that's out there for Joe Biden's approval rating, among Democrats, the portion of the Democratic base that is starting to sour the most proportionately on Joe Biden are African-American voters. And in our political story, I quoted a Republican pollster who had been conducting a recent focus group about a public policy matter in a southern state. Didn't want me to say which one. Uh, He provided a transcript for me because at the end of this policy focus group, he asked the voters, hey, we just want to talk about Joe Biden. What do you think of him? Now, these are all African-American focus group members or participants. And there were a few folks who expressed a lot of reservations about Joe Biden. One woman who said she she wasn't sure if she was going to vote for Joe Biden for his re-election, she says, I don't even know if he's going to be alive. <laughs> I, so, you know, yeah. voters aren't thinking about this. Yeah, I saw that. I definitely had a chuckle at that, at just at the phrasing, right? That's kind of how a lot of people are positioning it. And, you know, you think into what else we're seeing in the media right now. Obviously, the infrastructure bill passed. People are starting to make a bigger deal of Pete Buttigieg, uh, Transportation Secretary, Kamala Harris questioning, you know, what's been going on with her. I mean, everybody's already starting to look to see what's going to happen in the next election cycle. And, you know, obviously this doesn't look good for, for Joe Biden so early on in his administration still. Yeah, in fact, uh, Chris Dodd, Senator, former Senator Chris Dodd, a longtime friend of Joe Biden's, was quoted in the New York Times recently accidentally raising the question about he didn't know if Joe Biden was going to run for re-election or not. Now, Biden's team cleared this up and said, oh, well, yes, yes, he is. But if one of his close friends is raising those implicit doubts, it makes you wonder how many other people actually think that. Mark Caputo, national political reporter at Politico. Thank you very much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. But it's really you know, thinking about people who might have developed a habit of, of doing this all the time. So consistency is a really big factor when we're thinking about something like sucking in your stomach. Joining us now is Allison Chu, wellness reporter at The Washington Post. Thanks for joining us, Allison. Hi, Oscar. Thanks for having me. Well, I was scrolling around. I saw the title of your article. I think this is something that everybody probably universally has done at some point. But the headline, stop sucking in your stomach all the time. It could be bad for your health. You know, I'm a bigger guy. Uh, I'm very well versed in sucking in my stomach when you try to look a little slimmer and everything. But there could be some other little health effects. Uh, uh, You write about uh, pelvic floor dysfunction. You write about other things, uh, breathing. It could be harder to take deeper breaths. It could also cause stiffness in your lower back and hips. And I never really thought of it that way. So, Allison, help us walk through some of this. Like you had mentioned, this is something that a lot of people do kind of off and on here and there. You know, I, I've done it myself, like you said, posing for a photo, wanting to look a little bit slimmer. And, you know, in those one-off instances, I think you're, you're definitely at you know, lower risk of doing any harm to your body. But it's really, you know, thinking about people who might have developed a habit of, of doing this all the time. So consistency is a really big factor when we're thinking about something like sucking in your stomach because, you know, we don't want to scare anybody into thinking, well, if you pull it in tight (laughs) for that one photo, right. Or, you know, if you're 
doing a quick ad exercise at the gym, you know, doing that is not likely to kind of trigger any of the potential fallout from keeping your core, you know, so tightly engaged. What are we looking at? You know, if things do get out of hand, right, that, that's the point of it. What are we looking at? That's a really great question. I mean, I think the main thing that the experts that I spoke with brought up was really the potential harms you can be doing to your pelvic floor muscles. And so those are the muscles that control things like urination, posture, bowel movements, and sex. And so they, they kind of sit at, a, at like, a, like a cradle in the pelvis and kind of hold all those organs in. And when you're gripping your stomach and, and holding it so tight for, for, long, for prolonged periods of time, having those muscles kind of constantly activated can basically, you know, exert force down on your pelvic floor muscles, you know, potentially causing those muscles to become overwhelmed. And then you can have consequences like incontinence or, um, you know, pelvic organ prolapse. There's also, you know, the potential that holding everything so tight can cause a loss of flexibility in your pelvic floor muscles. You know, little things here and there that um, in the long run could potentially have kind of larger health impacts. You know, dealing with a lot of common issues that people have as well with things like incontinence. There are ways to retrain your muscles. It's kind of part physical, part mental to kind of get out of those habits. It has to do a lot with uh, breathing. It has to do with a lot of just relaxing those muscles. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a really important point to make here is, you know, even if you might have been doing this for years on years um, and you're just now kind of realizing, oh, maybe I am holding my abdominal muscles too tightly and, and I'm kind of aware of it now, it's really important that people know that this is not a permanent problem. You know, it, it might be harder to kind of retrain those muscles, you know, if you have been doing it for a longer period of time, but it definitely is possible. And, you know, one of the first things to do is really kind of realize that you are doing it. And I think that's kind of a key critical first step because, you know, the second you can kind of feel that sensation of letting your stomach relax and, you know, knowing that you have been in that constant state of holding things tight, you can start working on being in that relaxed state more often because you're, you're recognizing that, oh, so this is what it feels like when I let my muscles, you know, unclench, <laughs> essentially. You know, it might seem a little silly, right, talking about sucking in your stomach, but that's the point, right? You uh, be aware of what you're doing with and to your body so that you can kind of uh, let it relax. You know, it doesn't have to be so tense all the time. Right, right, exactly. I think, uh, you know, one of the exercise folks was mentioned a really good point is we've kind of lost the nuance in following the advice of pull your navel to your spine, which is like that common fitness advice when you're doing an ab workout or whatever you're doing at the gym, lifting a barbell or something. But we have to remember that, you know, it's important to kind of apply that in the appropriate situation. So, you know, if you are exercising at the gym and you're lifting something heavy, you know, that would be a time to engage your abs. But, you know, if you're standing in line at the grocery store or sitting at your desk, you know, you probably don't need to have your muscles clenched at 100%. (laughs) Like, you know, it should... There should be some tension there, you know, some minimal tension for the postural support and all that. But, yeah, it doesn't need to be gripped so tightly all the time. Allison Chu, Mm -hmm. wellness reporter at The Washington Post. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment. Give us a rating. 
and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Diver is produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive. Daily Dive.